Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gomez, where our mission is to inspire virtuous leadership. Matt, so happy that you could join us on the podcast today. Great to kind of connect with you before recording to get to know your story a little bit more. And from hearing you out, I'm just really excited about what we're going to dive into today. Um, So without further ado, tell us who you are. Sure. Thank you, Christopher. I appreciate you putting me at ease as we uh, prepared for this discussion. Uh, I'm Dr. Pollard, but I go by Matt. I tell everyone to call me Matt. I'm the Vice President of Continuous Improvement at Intermountain Healthcare based in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I also am an emergency physician. And when I think of my career, I'll always hold the fact that I'm an emergency physician um, at heart. That's, that's who I am at my core. Um, but I'm also much more than that uh, outside of work. I'm a father of five children. I have an amazing, beautiful wife, and that's really what drives me, I think, the most in life. And we enjoy doing things outside. We, we enjoy nature and um, some high adventure activities and just trying to live life to its fullest. So I really look forward to our conversation today. Five kids, that is not very common in today's age. Uh, as I was telling you, my, my parents have uh, 22, soon to be 23 uh, grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> Penelope Caroline Gomez is, we're two, two months away from her being born. Uh, we couldn't love kids more in the Gomez family. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your kids. How old are they? And uh, yeah, tell us about that journey. Yeah, so uh, Noah is our oldest. He's 24. And then I have, he'll be 25 actually here soon. And then I have four daughters down to 14. And um, they're a blast. We have so much fun. They're beautiful, amazing uh, people. And it's been so much fun watching them mature into adults as they transition from being a young adult uh, to an adult. And hopefully some things that we've taught them when they were younger are helping them on their personal journeys. And uh, we try to get together as often as we can as a family, you know, with kids away at college and uh, coming and going, that becomes more challenging, but we, we sure love it. Hmm. So I have to ask, especially with Penelope being, you know, 60 days away from being born, <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for a father uh, soon to have a daughter myself and also, what have you learned from being able to be a father of a daughter? And also, I guess the other thing that comes to mind, like, you know, just recognize, you know, when we're talking about virtue, you know, seeing, you know, that how like pornography has plagued our society. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, both men and women that that, you know, don't know who they are. And so therefore don't live the noble lives uh, that could be Um And so just thinking about, you know, as it relates to raising a daughter, wanting to, you know, raise a strong and confident uh, woman of God. So what advice do you have for me in that regard? I have a lot of thoughts around this, actually, Christopher, and I don't think there's any greater privilege than raising children. I think it's the best way for us to understand how God feels about us. 
is, you know, how we feel about our children and raising them. And I, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. There's so many things to worry about, you know, their health and, you know, some of the challenges that you talked about. But I think at the end of the day, if our children know that we love them and care for them, that matters more than anything else. And they're each an individual spirit and they can be formed and shaped into the people they are by the influence we have in the family environment. But at the end of the day, they're their individual spirit. And I think it's our job to help them find what that journey is in life that they want to take, water that seed and watch it grow. And uh, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than the family unit and raising children. There, I love my son. Noah is amazing. Um, and yes, that's a Bible name. All our kids have, have Bible names. Um, but there's something special about raising daughters. Maybe I feel that way because of my wife. She's amazing and she's made me who I am as a person. But um, girls are very special. And Penelope will will bless you beyond your imagination. So I look forward to hearing that good story. You know, so when I was like in my 20s watching the show Lost, not a believer at this point, uh, there was a character in it, Penelope and Desmond, and they can never like reach each other. And like they had this like just ferocious love and commitment to one another. And that was I was always like, man, I love that. Like if I could have a daughter one day, I'd totally name her Penelope. <laughs> uh, so when when we found out that we were expecting, you know, I think being able to have a deep prayer life, we kind of knew that if our if we had a son, his name was going to be Job Samuel Gomez. And if it was a daughter, Penelope Caroline after my mother, uh, Gomez. And then we realized like, oh, no, like, I don't know, maybe we're like four or five months into the pregnancy and we're like, did we go out too far and like tell people her name, but not <laughs> actually like seek the Lord to find out like, you know, cause at the end of the day he created them. So, so it's like, <laughs> you know, he knows what their names are supposed to be. And we were like, all right, well, I guess, okay, let's take a pause. Maybe it's not Penelope. Let's just pray into this and see what it's going to be. So we, we did that. And like pretty shortly thereafter, like a couple days later, um, Hannah was like, have, is there a St. Penelope? And we were like, uh, I don't know. So we like looked it up one day while having lunch together. And there is her, she goes by St. Irene. Uh, she was, uh, she was uh, raised in Greece, but she has like, I don't know if you know her story, but she is like the most intense and like miraculous saint that you can ever like imagine. She, uh, her, so her her dad refused to allow her to be uh, around Christians, and she uh, so he basically homeschooled her. Uh, he didn't realize that her professor, who like was was teaching her, was actually a Christian, and uh, and raised her in that way. When he found out, he tied Penelope up to four horses to have the horses uh, rip her limbs apart, and he did that and the horses wouldn't move. Mm. And so he got, you know, he was pretty uh, angry about that. And, and I think one of the horses, when he like went to go hit them or whatever, one of the horses either bit his hand or his arm off. And, uh, and, 
Penelope then, uh, uh, I think someone untied her and Penelope prayed over her father and he was miraculously healed in that moment. Uh, she was a virgin martyr. They tried to kill her multiple times. Uh, and each time they tried to, I think they burned her. They like set her on, they, they put her in oil. They tried to drown her and each time she kept living. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh so and she would be raised from the dead so we were like reading all this we're like oh my gosh this is so amazing the whole time the holy spirit was just like yeah like this is <laughs> this is it like you guys were on on the money and um, so so yeah so saint penelope is her name and uh we're sticking with it but thank you so much matt for sharing about your journey uh with your daughters and also noah and the way that you've uh, you know, honored God by, you know, giving them biblical names, which is so necessary in today's age where everyone's named Carter. A uh, shout out to you, Carter. <laughs> you know, we, our second son is Carter. And, you know, that was not very uh, uh, either prayer filled or biblical based. But anyways, uh, so Matt, tell us a little bit about your leadership uh, journey and how you got to the position that you're in today. It's a great question, Christopher, because I think I have a little bit of a non-traditional pathway. I'm a physician in a non-physician leadership role in healthcare. So as I mentioned before, I'm the vice president of continuous improvement, which um, for some, they may know it as lean or six sigma. We just look at it as a, as a general uh, improvement methodology. But I just started out as a physician. I always wanted to be a physician um, from the time I was a small child. I think because I was influenced by um, those around me that, um, in my church and, uh, and neighbors that were physicians. Uh, so I became a physician and started- Wait, before we go further on that, I want to yeah. pause because this yeah. is, Matt, this has been a theme in literally every podcast. And I don't know if like, I want you guys to pay attention right now. This is something that is like so beautiful and a blessing that God puts people, guides into your life and they are so instrumental for helping you to grow and develop. It's just, do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? And uh, so can you tell, like you said, like, you know, there's been people in church, there's been other people in your community that kind of have shaped you in that way. Can you speak about that? Like, just go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. So in my church, so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have a youth organization and... Um, and we call it the Aaronic Priesthood for the young men and then young women. They have a kind of a, a, a similar organization. And my leaders, when I was, you know, 12 through 15 years old, were surgeons. And I, I thought it was so interesting. They were so busy, but they were taking their time away from, you know, their own family and from some other responsibilities to be with us as youth. So that was really meaningful to me, and I developed great relationships with them over the years. And through that, I they became my role models. And as I started investigating what I wanted to be, I realized that I wanted to emulate um, who they were, and I wanted to pay it forward and give back like they did. So that was a, a very meaningful part of my life. And of course, I considered other careers, but at the end of the day, I felt like I was called to... Um, healthcare, that I was going to be a physician. And although I'm not doing that now, um, I think that's the pathway that I was supposed to take. And they helped me along that pathway. And, you know, I've talked to, to some of them later in life, and it's, um, I think it warms their hearts also to hear that they had a positive influence 
on someone. And now I'm trying to do the same actually with um, the youth that I work, that I continue to work with in, in church. I mean, I'm not trying to steer them to it, but I, I hope that I'm a good example to them. And um, they can see that you can have a busy um, career, but still have your priorities straight. And that was meaningful to me as a young person. And I, I hope we're not losing those values in society because it, um, it's meaningful to me. It's meaningful, I think, when I consider those that have worked with my children. And I think it's just part of our responsibility. We should all be looking for ways to contribute to society, be it through our church or community organization. We need to find a way to give back for future generations. So I hope that's maybe what you're looking for, Christopher. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, wildly important. Yeah, and again, like as I was saying, uh, it just is interesting to me how many different people that have been on this podcast kind of always kind of, that's always kind of like an element or a common theme to, to different mm-hmm. leaders' journeys of people that have, um, you know, poured into their lives and helped them to guide and shape their lives and in, in being able to kind of like, see their giftings and, and, and help them to pull that out. So, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. So please. No, no, yeah, no, no problem at all. Cut in any time actually. Um, so fast forward a few years and I graduate from medical school and residency, which was an amazing time for my family to, to grow. We moved to a different state and got to raise um, our children somewhere else outside of our core family, you know, our parents and, and whatnot. Moved back here to Utah and I started working as an emergency physician. Um, and it was my dream. I came back to the hospital that I was born in, that I worked at in college. And I just thought, here I am living the dream. This is exactly what I had hoped for. As a matter of fact, some of those same surgeons that were my youth leaders um, then became my consultants. And I would call them. And that was kind of a strange but good experience uh, to to now be working together with them. However, medicine is complicated, healthcare is complicated, and um, I started to get a little frustrated with some of the bureaucracy that exists within healthcare, and I wanted to make improvements um, to, to what we were doing, just simple process improvements. Didn't really have any kind of method behind it, but I just started experimenting with it, and um, over time, when anyone does that in healthcare, they're often tapped to be leaders because they're showing some initiatives. So I became an accidental leader, I guess. I became a department chairman of a busy emergency department, and that led to um, some other leadership responsibilities. But through that, I also was introduced to some uh, leaders in our organization that were using this methodology called leaner continuous improvement, um, bringing it from other industries into healthcare. I became interested in that and so I joined that team and worked, at, you know, doing that in parallel to being a physician. And we had such good success with this that um, our hospital system decided that they wanted to take this methodology to the entire system. And so timing was really good for me. Um, probably the only deliberate part of this whole journey was that I went back to school and got a master's degree in business operations from Ohio State. And right at about that time, I, I took on a system role as the medical director for continuous improvement. And then that led to me becoming the vice president of continuous improvement. So um, it really was just um, one, one role after another. They just all kind of built 
on each other. And I, I had never envisioned that I would end up doing what I'm doing now. As a matter of fact, I don't see patients anymore, and that's a little painful to me, but I, I had to make some hard life choices there. But I love what I do now, and although I'm not able to see individual patients, the things that we do on a daily basis can impact patient care for good for thousands of patients. And so that is extremely rewarding to me. That and the other thing that's coming to mind is that if you think about patients from a or from a business sense of your clients, I mean, now you have just you shifted the types of clients that you're seeing. Um, but in like as you as you beautifully said, like as you make these 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 as you continue to grow the operation of your organization, you're just making that much greater of an impact on on patients' lives. Which is awesome, but then also just just thinking through to you know your work and being able to help those that sometimes feel stuck in in their own growth journey, et cetera, and you being able to kind of like inspire them to see a different way that they can run be running their business and just helping people to be able to excel in that way too. And we serve a God uh, of one who's you know basically you know created the universe, <laughs> so so he's all for continuous improvement and being able to constantly be helping us to grow and develop. So I'm sure there's, there's gotta also be in the way, you know, like, don't get me wrong, you know, being able to, you know, be a physician and, and, and working in a healing role is also another one of those roles that, you know, Jesus played in, et cetera, but also just seeing like that, you know, the creation role of being able to, you know, help people to be able to grow and develop in that way. And just being able to partner with God in that way to help people to develop. So I'm sure is, you know, you got, I'm sure there's many stories where you've been able to lean into, you know, the Holy Spirit for inspiration on how to help people kind of, you know, reach breakthrough as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I could share multiple examples how I have felt guided with some of the decisions that I've made as a physician, which may seem counter to the scientific training that you go through. But I really think that, and I don't want to go too long on this topic, but I think it's important. And um, just to share an example, and I have a hard time sometimes sharing examples about um, some of my experiences because I don't want it to come across as, oh, wow, you know, Matt is such an amazing person. That's not what it's about. But I received a letter from a patient uh, recently, about a month ago, that I saw a decade prior. And what had happened was she was reaching out to me on social media and I don't really do social media very much. So I hadn't seen it. And then when I saw it, didn't really pay attention to it, but um, she was able to reach me through another physician that knew where I worked. And so they sent this letter to the hospital that I used to work at. And the, the brief story was that this was a woman who um, wanted to end her life. She had sought care in the emergency department because of a suicide attempt, and she had substance abuse problems. And something I said that day, I don't know exactly what it was, but she just says in her letter that um, the way that I treated her and um, the kindness and I, I didn't judge her um, helped uh, something click in her head that made her realize that she wanted to change. Hmm. So she sought treatment and then um, now has turned full circle and she now dedicates her life to helping people that 
struggle with those same ailments. Hmm. Um, and so to get a letter from someone that you had a very brief encounter with, you know, a, a decade prior, that really speaks to why I sought a career in healthcare and in medicine. And once again, it's not about me, but it's about every little interaction that we have with people, be it in a work environment, home, you know, wherever we're at, it can be a grocery store, it can really make a difference in someone's life. So it's important to always be kind, to be uh, gracious, and you never know what impact you can have with someone. Do you have some any innovative ways that you pour love and kindness into the world? Like, as you said, like, you know, out at the grocery store, out, yeah. or whatever, just doing life, et cetera. Well, that I know I you weren't planned for this. So no, <laughs> no, no that's like, okay. It's, it's a great question because um, it, the first thing I thought of was an experience that I had after I had returned from serving a mission for my church. I, I went on a mission to northern Chile for two years, learned Spanish, lived there, had an amazing experience. But jumping into being a missionary for two years changes the way you think about things. And mm -hmm. I remember driving with my father. Uh, we were just going to run errands and someone cut us off. <laughs> and my dad was, you know, I, I don't want to sound critical of him because he's, he's an amazing person. He's made me who I am. But he said something like, oh, you know, why, why did they do that? And I, I think I said something like, you know, dad, you don't know what's going on there. Maybe they're on their way to the hospital. Maybe they've had a rough day or they're uh, they just were in an argument or they're sad, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I can't say that I've always done that. <laughs> so with time, that wears off a little bit. But I really do think that the way that we treat people in any environment matters. And so that's something that I have always tried to do. It mattered to me when I was younger, you know, in junior high and high school and college and, and in work. Um, we're, we're all equals and we should all be, we all deserve that level of respect. And I love doing that. So that is one way that I try to do that is by just treating everyone with that same level of respect. And um, what I've learned by doing that is that more is given to me through those interactions than I am giving to them, right? Like you can never you can never give back enough. The Lord is always going to bless you with with more when you try to serve um, his children. But um, that, boy, that's something that we can all do in any moment, right? And I, I sure wish that I were better at always doing that, but it's something that is always on my mind. No one should have to grieve alone. Cassie's Foundation is a community dedicated to supporting you through the loss of your child by offering real support from others who've experienced the same. Go to at Cassie Foundation on Facebook to learn more and consider donating to the Miss Foundation today at MissFoundation.org. Yeah, I think the reason what I'm just sensing that I wanted to talk about quickly here is that, you know, I started with a couple like this is like, you know, first encountering like God's love in 2015 and then just growing in it. And I was like, I would listen to like sermons, like while driving around in the car. Well, like instead of, you know, like that was, you know, kind of a podcast like this is what I'd be listening to people preaching the gospel. 
And then I would see people like pulled over on the side of the road and I would be like almost feeling like the tug of like, well, I can't say that I'm a Christian and I like love all of God's children. If I'm not going to like stop and help an old lady, like basically like in a broken down car situation. And so I kind of started to do some of that. (laughs) I started to like, you know, just pay for the people behind me at, at McDonald's or any fast food restaurants that I'd go to just like those little small acts. And, exactly what you said, like God is just continually given more opportunities to, to be able to do that. I think one of the ones that really resonated heavily, we, my wife and I were flying back for, uh, from Georgia and doing ministry down there. And, uh, it, it was crazy how the timing worked out for this, but anyway, so it was like, I was in the aisle, my wife was in the center seat and there was this lady that came and sat in the window. And, um, I was just, I was like, okay, she sat down and I was like, just started to pray like, okay, God, do you have anything to say to your daughter? Like, is there anything like, help me just understand what's going on. And I see a garbage can and I was like, that's weird. I was like, okay, what does this mean? And I felt like the Lord was saying that her son has got addiction issues specifically on the, uh, I think for me, it was resonating uh, alcohol issues. And in that she in the garbage was that she felt like garbage, that she had failed as being as being a parent. Um, But like God wanted to let her know that he doesn't think that she is garbage and that she's done a great job raising her son and that the Lord was going to bring revival to her family. So like, you know, you get these inspirations and then it's like, all right, am I going to share? Am I going to take the leap of faith, share it? Or am I just going to, you know, coward and sit there with it? And the more that you just continue to release it, the more that that spiritual muscle grows. So, so I, I was like, Hannah, you know, I think my wife, she, we're kind of like a, a, it's awesome because my wife moves in this stuff too. So you have a partner in crime, they're like a partner in heaven to be able to like collaborate with for this stuff. And so then I, I was just like, excuse me. Like I, I was praying for you and I felt like I heard a word from God is all right if I shared it with you. And she's like, yeah, go ahead. So I share it. And she, Matt, she literally like turns to the window and she's just like, and, and then, and, and Hannah and I are looking at each other like, oh, it's like everything. Okay. And then she literally turns back and she is basically straight on full mm. on like makeup, ugly makeup everywhere, ugly crying. And she's like, uh, she's like, my son is addicted to drugs. Um, I'm like flying to Chicago to be back with my, my sisters and my mom because he's in and out of jail. And like, I don't know, I have no idea what to do to like handle the situation anymore. And she, she's just like, 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 I don't even know. She can't even process like how, like, just like, so the divine interaction of like, she had shared that, like, she would, she was like a couple different like layovers and she didn't know if she was going to be on this flight and that it just worked out that she got the seat. And then there she is like sitting next to us to be able to have the courage to pray for her in that way. And then she was like, she was open to like, let uh, she like asked if we could pray together. We like prayed for her and she mm-hmm. left that plane. Like she, she left that plane about 70 pounds lighter than her <laughs> getting onto that plane. So I, I'm just trying to just lift you up and affirm you for like, yeah, I think that just really resonates with me that like if we if we can just continue to do those little things with love that you will just continually getting blessed with more of those spiritual gifting. So, yeah. So thank you for that inspiration, Matt. 
Um, you know, before we kind of continue to dive into the virtue side and being able to love people and help them to, you know, be their best selves, can you speak a little bit about some of the vices that you've had to overcome in order to be the leader that you are today? Sure. Um, anyone that knows me, especially if they've ever played tennis with me, knows that my emotions sometimes can get the best of me. <laughs> uh, and that sometimes shows up in other spaces as well less now than i think when i was younger but um i, I can think back early in my career as a physician I mean, i've always treated people with respect but letting some of these external forces control my emotions would sometimes get the better of me as a matter of fact um when i would come into a shift we had these name placards that we would put up you know dr pollard and Sometimes I would put mine upside down and that was a signal to everyone that, you know, don't mess with Matt today. He must be, <laughs> you know, so how, how sad that that's the message that I was sending. But I reached a, a level of burnout, I think that, um, and that's, you know, right before I made a career transition, that it was just showing up too much at, um, with how I interacted, not so much with patients, but maybe a little bit with staff and, you know, I'm sad to to say that um, it got to the point where I actually had a nurse who I consider to be a really good friend write me up. So she reported me to the hospital and I had to go in and talk to the, uh, the hospital medical director. Um, that was really hard because I realized um, for all my efforts to try to be the person that I wanted to be in my life, that I let it control me a little bit and it showed up enough that someone had to intervene i wish that they had just come to talk to me that would have probably had the same effect but i'm so glad she had the courage um, to say something and talking with her later um, i realized that she did it because she cared about me and um, she wanted she didn't want me to be miserable she wanted me to be happy that was a great turning point in my career and it was also a turning point for me as a person. And, and so that's something that I think I've been able to exercise those muscles a little bit better. And I do notice that still at times I will let things um, ruffle my emotions a little bit. But I've become more self-aware and I'm able to not react initially, um, you know, just digest it and try to focus on an outcome instead of letting them get the better of me. And um, that, was a, that was, as I said, an important turning point for me as a person uh, professionally. And um, to this day, you know, I'll tell this story sometimes in small settings um, in my organization. And sometimes that nurse will be in the audience. Mm. Um, and um, I'll always be grateful um, for her. So it also shows that, you know, that's a little thing that she did for me right? Um, taking that step. And we all have things like that. And I, I hope that we can find ways to, to lift each other up. Yeah, as I, as I was telling you in pre-recording that um, that's something that it's funny the way that God works, because that's something that's definitely a vice that I'm struggling with right now. You know, the ebbs of flows, ebbs and flows of consulting you know, can have your highs and lows of, of when projects get really intense and things, uh, you know, you're trying to just 
figure out how to, you know, pull it all together. And then there's times when there can be droughts and, Mm -hmm. and how do you, regardless if, if things, if times are good or times are bad, how do you continue to stay on that constancy? Also, you know, as it relates to your relationship with God, our father, whether, you know, whether you're in a season of wild blessings or in a season of a drought and, and how do you continue to have that constancy? Um, and it's interesting that you bring that up as advice because, again, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, this is great for being able to affect our greater audience. But regardless, like I'm always really affected by <laughs> people that come on and be able to share in this way. So tell me, can you maybe give both me and the audience some like um, practical advice on some of the ways that you were able to walk this out? Sure. As you said, like um, grow that muscle and develop that. Yeah, well. The first thing that I did after that, I mean, obviously I had to go talk to my leaders, but I just went to that person and I just said, hey, what, you know, what's going on? And when she described to me what was happening, it was very eye opening to me. And I made a commitment that day that, you know, I, I'd stopped uh, turning my name placard upside down. Um, and I determined that I can determine my mood and my you know, I can be the captain of my soul more effectively. There's, you know, emergency department employees can sometimes be superstitious. <laughs> you know, is it the Friday the 13th or is it a full moon and, you know, things like that. And sometimes you'll hear someone say, oh, you know, so-and-so is working tonight. They're a black cloud. They always, things always seem to come unhinged when they're working. And I learned a phrase when I was in residency where someone said, be your own white cloud. Like Mm -hmm. you can determine what is going on around you just by the way that you approach them. So that has just come with a lot of introspection and self-awareness. And so one way that I did this is I actually, um, I reached out to my physician colleagues and I, I just let them know how I was feeling. And I asked for help. I just said, I need you all to be my partner with this. And if you ever see this happening in me, I need you to just tell me, don't let it go. Um, I'm, this is something I'm working on. Um, please tell me so I can con- so I can try to control this a little bit better. And I, at the same time, will try to be more self-aware. I asked um, other coworkers, I asked family members to do the same. And that was hard. And it takes um, a level of humility and some vulnerability to uh, to do that. But I recognize that it's something that I needed to do. And I'm so much better now than I used to be. And now it's to the point where if I can sense those things happening, I mean, you, you can't you can't make genetics go away, I guess. Like I'm, I still experience those same feelings but now I can recognize them earlier and I can deal with them. So, you know, if I feel that I just, you know, I either don't make any rash decisions or I take a second to, um, to think about things a little bit more deeply, or I'll, um, you know, go for a walk or do some yoga or, or, or do something. And I find that I'm, uh, I'm able to recognize the emotion and recognize why I have the emotion. And it's usually because it's something that I care about deeply. So when I get upset about something, it's because something has 
disrupted um, something that I really care about. And in the emergency department, I really cared about great patient care. And when things didn't go well, I would get upset. So at the core, my desire and my intent, my heart was good. I wanted what was best for patients, but then it was manifested in kind of an ugly way. So I now, when that when this happens, I will say, okay, I recognize the feeling. What is underlying this? What is it? What value is at risk here? What, you know, what do I value that is um, maybe being violated by the current circumstance? And how can I reconcile that? And reconciliation is, I think, a great way of looking at it. Um, how can I align my feelings better with the outcome that I would that I wish to pursue in this circumstance? And what I described sounds complicated, but it can ha- it can happen in a matter of seconds. Um, and so this serves me uh, very well now in conversations that I have with you know my wife or my kids or um, you know people at church or certainly at work and um, and I feel like. Um, I'm better off for it. I wish I could do it on the tennis court a little bit better. (laughs) So Um, um, I love that. And I also want to just take the practice. So can we take us, can you walk us through a specific example where you can go through that mental exercise to then kind of just put yourself back to the place where you're looking to be? Sure. So let's say I'm in a meeting and there may be a particular outcome that I am hoping to see with the organization, you know, an initiative, a project, you know, an outcome of a key performance indicator. And I recognize that something is happening that I think is not going the right way. Um, I used to get really upset. And sometimes I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve a little bit. People can see that I'm uncomfortable. I may um, I may, you know, turn even flush red with it. And I may make some comments or put something in the chat that is not going to be productive. So now when that happens, um, it's like I can package that emotion a little bit better. So when it comes, I've trained myself better to recognize it. Um, and then what I can do is I can, I'm able to, well, I don't think you can ever truly multitask. I can still be engaged in the conversation, but recognize what's happening within me. And it's almost like I I take that emotion from my chest and I just kind of put it on the shelf over here a little bit. So um, it's still there. I know I'm going to need to deal with it, but I'll stay engaged and listen to the conversation. And then at an appropriate time, it's like I can just take it off the shelf and say, okay, let's dissect this a little bit. And, and look at what the root cause may be. Um, this, this um, maybe this discussion is um, leading us in a direction that I think is not going to be beneficial to our employees or our caregivers. You know, once I recognize that, then I can say to myself, okay, what are some productive ways that I can deal with this? Um, how, how can I approach this in a way that is um, that will get us in the right direction, but also help me be true to those values that that I hold. Because I think it's important for us to not compromise on our values. Um, and because I'm able to separate those emotions, 
Um, I can then either have an individual conversation with someone or at a later point in the conversation, I can bring it up and have a level head and I'm not affected then by the emotions. Um, and it may not go the way that I want. And when that happens, then I just have to say within my heart, okay, that is not maybe necessarily what I wanted to have happen, but I've at least voiced it. And I feel like I did it in a controlled manner instead of just reacting to the negative energy that I was feeling when I, when I first felt, you know, whatever was happening with the conversation. So I hope that helps Christopher with describing how I do it. <laughs> I know it sounds um, just, I like actually talking about it out loud because um, I don't get to have conversations like this very often. And, it, and it's helpful um, to just talk about it. I, I participate in in coaching in our organization. I've been trained as an internal coach. And these are the kind of conversations that we like to have with each other because it's, it's so good to be able to just unpack these um, emotions and those things that we're trying to improve. And it doesn't, they don't need to be big steps. It can be baby steps. I, I might just say, you know, I, maybe I failed in this way in that in, interaction, but boy, wasn't it great that I at least recognized that I was having that challenge or that feeling in my heart. So don't get too discouraged. You made an improvement. Now, next time, let's try to take that to the next level. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think that is gold. <laughs> so I appreciate that for sharing that, Matt, and also your vulnerability with being able to share how these things can come up and how you've been working through that as well. And I'm excited to kind of you know, play that back a couple of times, because again, this is something that I'm recognizing even myself is something that I need to grow and work through and uh, being able to have a guide, you know, in this moment to be able to kind of talk through the ways that you've been able to work through it is is wildly helpful. So we kind of touched upon the the vices side. Now let's dive into the, the virtue piece. Um, what virtues do you feel that you've been naturally gifted with and, uh, would love to kind of better hear that as it relates to, you know, inspiring others with that too. I think that I've been naturally gifted with um, leadership, but the angle that I would like to take with this is the importance of humility with leadership. I described it to my team once as humble confidence, which can seem to some as an oxymoron. You know, how can you be confident but humble at the same time? And I, and I think you can do that if, you know, humility means that I respect those that I am working with, that I respect that they're um, capable, that they're creative, and that when they do things that I, and I recognize that I'm giving them credit, I'm not taking the credit, I'm giving them credit for the work that they're doing. I think you know, humility is, I think, especially in executive leaders, it's a trait that is, um, we don't often see, unfortunately. I work in an organization where fortunately, I think we do see it a fair amount, but you know, sometimes we think of high level executives as they have to be assertive and confident and sometimes um, overbearing or um, they, they may have a command and control kind of mentality, but it's amazing the success that you can have by just being humble and the confidence comes from um, being prepared from um, knowing 
um, the material or the circumstances, having done your homework, understanding what it's really like in the areas where the work is being done. Um, and I think related to this is um, a value of just respect for people. And the Shingo organization that I, I really love actually would call this respect for every individual. Um, when we can bring out the best in each other um, and you do that with humility, but confidence, it raises their confidence as well. And then they wish to emulate the humility with which that was done. So it's a virtuous circle if you're able to create that type of environment on your team or in your home or with those that you're serving with. And it's the kind of environment that people want to spend their time in. And despite the challenges that may come because of that environment, you can weather the storm. So I hope I've described that well. I, it, um, humility, it, it's hard to, to say that humility is one of your strong points because then one says, well, how can you be humble if you're saying that's something that you're good at? But I think it just comes down to how I feel about other people how I recognize that I don't have all the answers, but together we have most of the answers um, and recognizing everyone for the contributions they can bring to the table. Well, no, I love that and definitely can see how that plays itself out in this world many times over. You know, you talked about, you know, leaving the, the business side to just even contemplate, you know, another example that you gave earlier about, you know, that, that situation with your father and, and, you know, someone cutting you off and it's really easy to be able to go down and start being like, instead of being able to be that humble person of like having that opportunity to say like, okay, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe <laughs> something's going on. Um, you know, and I see, you know, there's many, it seems like more in the in society that like, when you're like trying to like pull out across, like people like will speed up to try to hit you and, and not being able to say like, you know, have that peace to, to, or patience and humility to say like, okay, like, you know, maybe something's going on for whatever. Um, but then, you know, bringing that back into the boardroom or into the leadership level, I mean, especially as a consultant that inter interfaces with many different organizations, many different executives, et cetera. I mean, you can see, I mean, this is something that it's, it's like, it's almost like it's as easy as to see like right up on their forehead of like, am I, am I humble? Am I a kind and compassionate and patient leader? Or am I someone that like is just instantly like, you know, not that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can just, you know, just thinking back through my career, so many different people where it's like when when leaders aren't that way, it's so unconducive for collaboration, stops down the 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 flow of good ideas and and inspiration, innovation, et cetera, when people are just trying to like command the room and just be super intense and and not being that that humble leader that's willing to just you know see value in every single person that they're interacting with um and uh i mean i i can also recognize in times of my own life kind of similar to yourself with the nameplate that's flipped upside down there's definitely been times where i haven't been the most humble and you know kind and compassionate leader um but love Love, love, love what you're sharing there. And um, yeah, hoping that also for people that are listening that are maybe recognizing, hey, have I been 
as as loving as humble as I possibly can be. That this is an opportunity to to be able to you know take those steps of that self awareness to then be able to start making those strides to to being more humble, to being more kind, to being more patient, etc. To to really be able to work through other people and have the opportunity to grow to be able to bring more uh, ideas to the table as well. So thank you for sharing on that. Uh, Matt, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you to uh, close us down in prayer, praying for our audience today that, you know, that today would be an inspiration for them. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. And, you know, before I do that, Christopher, I just want to thank you because the, I don't have opportunities like this very often. Um, This it's been great to, uh, to be vulnerable. <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? Uh, to be vulnerable, but um, to look at things from this angle is really healthy, I think, for all of us. And it's because of the the environment that you created in the conversation. So thank you very much. It's been a joy today, and I'd be happy to leave a word of prayer. I love it. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we've been able to have this opportunity to meet virtually and share In this conversation, we feel the love that thou hast for us, and we're mindful of the many ways that we're blessed in our lives. Father, we pray that the conversation that we've had today can be of benefit uh, to us and to others as we're all trying to be better and look for opportunities to improve and lift others upwards and and bless others' lives. We pray that thou bless us with inspiration to see these opportunities when they present themselves in our lives and that each day we can be a little better so that we can serve thee better and have lives that are fulfilling and that are full of service and love towards all of thy children. We're grateful, Father, once again for this opportunity that we've had and We say this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, uh, thank you, Matt, and all for joining us on the Virtuous Heroes podcast, where we inspire virtuous leadership and uh, hope everyone continues to, you know, raise the bar in, in being their best self. And that today was a blessing for being able to recognize you know, maybe some of the ways that our emotions have been leading us and, and how to recognize that in addition to being able to be the, you know, confident uh, leaders, but yet humble leaders. And so thank you, Matt, for sharing in that way and look forward to continuing the dialogue with you as well. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To continue to grow in virtue, will you please subscribe to the Virtuous Heroes podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? Or you could also visit us on the web at www.spiritmco.com. That would be tubular. Hope you have an awesome day.